some of my childhood. You guys are going to see some pictures of me when I was real little. Um, I had to leave a lot on the cutting room floor whenever I was making this talk. I was really surprised. I was like, oh, my life isn't that, isn't that interesting. And then I was like, oh, I had to cut like half of the talk out to fit in the time frame. So um, unfortunately, Ryan, I just want to let you know that whenever I was looking at things that were difficult or trying in my life, things that were really stressful, you didn't crack the top 10. So I think you might, that, I was actually disappointed. I was like, oh, Ryan's got to be up there somewhere. But so just wanted to let you know that, buddy. With, uh, then without further ado, let's uh, look at me growing up. This is me and my parents and my brother. I have a great family. I actually, so I grew up in a small town, really, and we moved from Main Street to the backwoods of a town of 700 people. So very tiny, uh, like knew everybody and their grandparents and their cousins and everybody kind of tiny, but so yeah, my, my brother's name is Zach. He, um, he and I, in these pictures, we look really friendly. I can promise you that for many years we were not. The most trouble I got in for the, probably the first six years of my life was once because I got grounded because I made him cry twice in one morning um, before 9 a.m. So we, 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 growing up, things were a little bit tense between us. Um, but I can gladly say that now he's honestly one of my best friends, and I, I love him to death. Um, my parents, it's uh, Jen and Jeff, mom and dad, um, they're wonderful. Um, they've been huge encouragement to me throughout my life. Throughout my life, I always knew that not, not only did they love me, but they were going to support the decisions I made and the choices I made um, and what I wanted to do with my life. They, they were my biggest fans and cheerleaders and still are. Um, every, after basically every time I do one of these talks in here and it gets put up online, I get a text from my mom a couple of days later and it's basically her saying, I'm crying, the talk was so good. And it makes my heart happy and I'm like, please stop. <laughs> um, but the next slide is my three, uh, the three loves of my life, my dogs. Um, I love them to death. Uh, so Leo is the one on the top left. He is basically a meerkat. Um, when he's running through the hay, if he, we yell for him, he will stand up on his back paws and look around, and it is adorable. Lucy is a bear. She will stand up under a table and flip it over. She's 125 pounds of muscle. She's a Tibetan Mastiff. She's wonderful. But we can't leave her inside in the winter because it's too warm, and she cries all night. So she's like, I want to be out in the snow and freeze because that's what I'm made for. It's adorable. And then Luther is basically my lifelong best friend. He's 12 years old. Um, I got him, we got him when I was like 10, and he's old. He's the one on the, in the middle on the bottom. And yeah, and those are the other pictures are of my barn and the front of my house in the winter with a little bit of snow and a sunset. And it's just, I love my home. If you've ever heard me talk about growing up in southwestern Pennsylvania, I absolutely loved it. It was, um, it was some wonderful times. And when talking about my parents, they really... They, they, they instilled in me from a very early age uh, the fundamentals of the faith. They made sure that I was reading my Bible or having my Bible read to me when I was really young every night. They prayed with me every night. There's a story that my mom tells that when we would do our prayers, I would want to pray for every single person that, that I knew, and that would take way too long. So then we had to just say, God bless Mommy and Daddy, Tyler and Zachary, God bless everyone. And end it there, because I would name every person, and we would be um, there for, for way too long. Um, 
And they made sure that I was in Sunday school every single week, getting taught by other people uh, more fundamentals of the faith. But it kind of honestly stopped there for many years. Um, there's a, there's a, the first word that really summarizes the early stages of my life is the word stagnant. Um, the, the passage that I kind of pulled this from whenever I was thinking about what, what, was, what was my life like before I really got serious about my faith was First uh, Corinthians 3, 1 and 2. Paul's talking to the Corinthians, and he writes this. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I give you milk to drink, not solid food, since you are not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready. And that, that, that's still not ready probably remained me for way, way too long from the time. Honestly, I, I, I don't remember much from the first, like, six years of my life. I don't think many people have very vivid, many vivid memories of, their, of, of before that age. But for me, some of my earliest memories, I, I would genuinely say that I, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believed he was my Savior. I believed if I would have died then, I, 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 I got it, and I was, I was saved. But it was a stagnant faith. I stayed as a spiritual infant for years. Honestly, all, all through elementary school, my school didn't have a middle school. When you grow up in a town as small as I did, there, there's not enough to justify building a third building. So it was uh, K through 6 in one building and then 7 through 12. But until 6th grade, my faith was stagnant. It was um, not growing really at all. Until 6th grade, um, I got involved in the student ministry at my church. And then some baby, step, baby steps started. Okay, it's like that kid that for the first time is standing up and it's like, oh, okay, I can kind of toddle around and start to move. And I start to, started to kind of understand more and more depth to my faith and what faith looked like beyond that. So sixth grade, I got involved in, this, in, in the student ministry at my church. And honestly, that's where so many amazing things happened that still influence me to this day. As I said, um, yeah, I, I, I got involved in sixth grade. I met some of my best friends there. Like, people who I'll still send texts to and check in on while I'm down here in Texas, and they're 1,331 miles away back in Hickory. Yes, I checked it before I got up here because I was like, how far away is it to home? It's 1,331 miles to probably my favorite place on earth. But as I was saying, it's, I met some of my best friends there. I began growing in my faith. My youth pastor was an amazing man who um, wouldn't just take the fact I was saying something as of me understanding it. He basically would challenge anything I said, even if it was something he agreed with, so that I would really begin thinking through it. His big thing was that he wanted me to know why I believed what I believed, not control what it was I was believing. He wanted me to know why and understand deeply why I believed the things I believed. He wanted me to think. Um, in those years, I began to serve the ch- serve in the church. I was... Um, Mostly just because we, 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 were, we were a very service-oriented ministry. We, we would do a lot of outreach and um, serving at different church events. And I, I really enjoyed that stuff. But by my ninth grade year, I was starting to get really apathetic to the faith. As I looked around at my friends as we were now in high school, or you guys would call it middle school for seventh and eighth grade, but for us it was high school. Um, we did, like I said, we didn't have a middle school. Um, I looked around and I just saw a lot of people that weren't living their faith out, like I felt like I was, I was trying to, but nobody else really was. And I was like, well, nobody else is doing this. It's not really affecting them. Why should it affect me? And I, I began to grow incredibly apathetic. 
to God, to my faith, to my family, to, to really everything. And that then began to change, though. I, I, the turning point in my life in a lot of ways was a summer camp I went to the summer after my ninth grade year. It was to a fuge camps, and any of you that have talked to me at any length of time, I've probably talked about fuge camps. Um, it was a, a fuge camp where I really got serious about my faith and really understood it deeper than just Jesus dying for my sins. Um, and it took it to a much deeper level for me. Um, and it was after this that I would say my second word, which really characterizes what happened at this summer camp, which is energized. I became energized for the faith. You see, we were there at Fuge, and I was meeting people outside of my youth group who were living out their faith. I was going in, we were in Philadelphia for this Fuge camp, so I was going in to the roughest parts of Philly, and we were helping feed people, we were serving people, and it was, it was amazing. We would come back and we would sit and worship, and God really started to show me that there was more to my faith than just Jesus dying for my sins. Like, I was, like, there was a purpose to it. And as I began to be awakened to that purpose, it energized me. And I got, I, I got a glimpse of um, what, it, what Paul, or what Peter was writing and saying in um, Acts four nineteen and 20, um, where he writes this. Peter and John answered them. So this is when they're before the Sanhedrin. They're being told to stop professing the gospel. Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. For the first time, I really felt like, oh, this is, I can't stop telling people about this, about my faith, about Jesus. This is, I saw how important that was. I really got a glimpse of the Great Commission. I, I, I felt like I really began to own the significance of it um, probably for the first time and seeing the mission that we had. Um, the Great Commission, um, Jesus came um, near and said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, uh, to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am, all, I am always with you always to the end of the age. I felt that. I felt this, the, the importance of going and telling people about my faith, and it was there that I really felt the calling that God had placed on my life, and that was ministry. Um, it was funny, I was talking to my youth pastor, and I, I like I said, I, I'd grown up, my parents had taught me the, the fundamentals of the faith, and I'd been going to Sunday school, but I hadn't been going to a regular church service um, with my family, and I, we weren't really um, immersed in the church um, like many of you guys are. And I was having this conversation with my youth pastor, and I was like, Jim, what do you do for a living? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a youth pastor, this is, well, this is what I do, I, I and when he told me that, and we, we talked more about that, I was shocked in a good way. It was like, oh, okay, this isn't just something that, some, that people are saying you should live. This is the gospel and the Great Commission is something that people are living out with their entire lives. They're, people are dedicating their entire lives to this. So I, I told him, I was like, Jim, I, I feel like God's 
maybe, maybe I'm called to go into ministry. And he's like, great, let's see. Let, let, let's, let's get you some opportunities. So he began, uh, I began serving with the junior high. Um, we're, we're not in a college town. We don't have a bunch of young adults that are um, willing to serve in a ministry. So a lot of our, some of our senior high um, people would go and serve with the junior high. Um, so I began um, helping serve with the junior high. I got to lead discussions for the senior high for my peers. Got to write some talks. I was the most nervous I've ever been is whenever I sat down to lead a small group discussion for the first time amongst people that were my age and older than me whenever I was in like 10th grade. It was terrifying, but it really began to drive home this calling on my life. Um, I got to help plan events. My senior project, which is something we had to do to graduate, was planning a 30-hour famine um, event for my youth group, and we raised a ton of money to help, um, help people that really needed it, and it was, it was amazing. And I also did a, a leadership training program with Fuge. I went to Nashville for two weeks in the summer one year, and for, there, even more changed my life and energized me because now I wasn't just seeing that, no, we're supposed to live this out. I was seeing people my age, not just people that were older than me, but people that were my age that were sold out for the gospel, that, that really wanted to see the world come to know Jesus as their Savior, that weren't satisfied with the way that so many people just live lackadaisically, not really caring what happens to so many people. But that wasn't all God was doing. Um, there, God had another purpose, and just there's not really going to be any real slides with much of this because it, I don't really know how to put it into slides. Because shortly after this summer where I was at Fusion, I felt energized for the gospel, and I, I really began living out my faith, I faced the hardest time in my life, at least up to that point. Um, so my youth group was really into ultimate frisbee. So we, we would play in the gymnasium at our church every, every Wednesday night before youth group started. Well, we got really into it. We're a bunch of really competitive, the, the guys especially were really competitive. So I laid out to catch a frisbee and got blindsided, um, hip checked in my head by one of the other guys. And I felt dizzy, I felt nauseous, um, ended up, uh, was going to go to the doctor the next day, but uh, football camp had already started, so I walk into the, the coach's office and I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to be here today, I've got to go to the doctor, i got a concussion. And he was shocked whenever I was, my response of like, what were you doing? Wasn't like, oh, I flipped a quad or um, anything stupid, it was like, oh, I was at youth group. Um, <laughs> most coaches aren't prepared for you to say that's where you got your concussion. Um, but yeah, it turned out it was a concussion. And from there, though, I started developing some pretty nasty headaches um, throughout school, and they weren't going away. Like, the concussion really wasn't that bad. I didn't go unconscious. It was only a pretty minor concussion. But I would get these horrible headaches um, in classes and just have to kind of put my head down and be out of it, and my grades began to really suffer. So they sent me in for an MRI. My neurologist said, this is not supposed to be the way this is. Let's get you checked out a little bit further to really try and figure this all out. So go in, get an MRI. I had to be under the thing for like an hour and 45 minutes because MRIs are finicky, and if you like twitch, you have to redo the whole thing. It's awful. Um, well, they say, okay, well, we'll get back to you. We don't have the results, obviously, immediately, but we'll call you and let you know. Well, 
couple, I think it was a couple weeks passed, and I walk into the kitchen on a, uh, a Thursday, and my mom's on the phone, and she says, uh, or, and, um, I, I assumed it was the doctor, it had been two weeks, and I was like, okay, so the doctor's going to be calling back, and um, she hangs up the phone, and she's, I, I could tell she was a little bit uh, worked up. She said, hey, we're going to have to go back in for some MRIs. They need to do some more testing. They found a brain tumor, and they don't know really anything about it. They don't know if it's cancerous. They don't know if maybe if it's growing. Um, we need to go back in and get some more MRIs. So that began me going and getting basically... For a while, it was an MRI a month, uh, monitoring it. They had to do, like, put, uh, it's called, like, contrast. They had to light up your brain and light up different parts and check it out. Um, and what made it more stressful is one of the things they told us on the first time was, hey, this tumor is in an inoperable zone in your brain, so we can't remove it. Um, and I... This is the, I, I, I began to adopt a pretty bad habit here in some ways um, where I just would not acknowledge my own feelings towards something and was just focusing on how can I help my parents not freak out about this. Um, but beyond that even, when I look back on it now, I know that it, while certainly, yes, I was repressing some of my emotions with it, there was also the reality that if God hadn't, if my relationship with Jesus and my understanding of Scripture hadn't gotten so much more real to me, if my faith had just been a real infant faith, I, I when, when this happened, I, I don't know how that would have led to me turning out. I don't know what decisions I would have ended up making. I don't know if I would have been able to actually deal with it at all. Um, the, I still have to get MRIs. Um, just, you guys know, that they, they didn't get the tumor out. Um, it's not growing. They, it's not cancerous. But they have to keep monitoring it because it could start growing. Um, so I'm to the point now where every, every, I believe it's every five years, I have to go and just check up MRI. Like, for a while it was month, then six months, or three months, six months, year, five years. Uh, and that, that was, I mean, very difficult, but it also... There was, a, there was a passage of scripture that really helped me through, and that's uh, James 1, 2, and 4. It reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That, that statement of con- consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Well, this was certainly a trial. And from this, I, I just I said, God, I can't see it now, but I know you got a plan. And I know whatever happens, like, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm with, I'll be with you or I'll be here and everything will be fine. And because of this, I'll get to tell more people about how good you were to me and how 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 much I've been blessed. Through this, I also discovered one of the, one of the spiritual gifts that I have, which is faith. Um, I'm not good with de- small details. Like, I get really controlling over small things. But big things don't phase me. Like, yeah, there, some of me kind of just tried to ignore the emotions I had associated with this, but also... 
and I've seen this more since then, when something is out of my control, it's very easy for me to just put my faith in God and say, God, you're going to work this out. I can't, I can't change this. I couldn't do anything about the tumor in my head. But God comforted me through that with the truth of Scripture and the faith that I had in Him. And so from there, it was just testing and spending time with my family and my friends and really just going through this, this stage in my life. I, the headaches never really went away. They, they've receded some. Like, I don't get headaches as bad as I, I used to, but every once in a while, I'll still just kind of have to take a break because my head will be pounding. Um, I'll just kind of learn to cope with it. Um, and my, my teachers all through high school were incredibly generous of giving me, like, help where I needed it so that I could continue just the way things were. And that led to the next stage of my life, which was graduation and going off to college. Uh, that up in the top left, that's my youth pastor and his wife. They had my senior year. They had their little baby, Reese. He is adorable and has the brightest red hair you've ever seen in your life. Um, and then these are my three best friends, uh, me with each of them, Dustin, Scott, and Evan. Uh, I'm actually going to be the best man in Evan, who's on the far right, um, in his wedding here in a couple months. And it was just, you know, really, really good times going, going on with life and seeing what came next. And what came next for me was, was college. And the word that I selected for this moving forward and the life since then is moving. Um, why, you might ask, why, why moving? Well, it wasn't just because I was going to college. It was because throughout the rest of my life, it's just been movement. It, it's not all good. It's not all bad. It's a lot of ups and downs. That's why, that's why the word moving, I thought, was very um, fitting for this. God, God used it all. It wasn't just, uh, just the good or just the bad. God was at work in all of it, and I've been able to rejoice in that. There's been a lot of great things. Um, I've, I got to work at Fuge Camps, which is the camp that um, I said I served at, or I was a student at in Philadelphia. I worked there for two summers, met some of the best people I've ever got to meet in my life. And that was phenomenal. Um, I, I loved college. One of, the, one of the things that God really showed me as I, I was looking for college was how to have peace and trust in him. It ties back in with that faith thing that I was talking about, and it's going to tie in with a verse we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, it was funny, is that when I was looking for a college, my mom did not want me going six hours from home to go to Liberty. Like, that was not something that she was okay with. But we visited Liberty, and it was the only school I ended up applying to. Um, I walked on campus, and we did the tour, and Liberty's really nice. Like, I, I love it. Um, and I think some people would have been maybe blown away um, by some of the stuff they have. But as I was leaving, I wasn't blown away. Um, I was like, this... This just feels right. I, I had a peace that was beyond anything that I could manufacture or put into words. And as me and my mom were driving home, we kind of sat in silence afterward for like 15 minutes. And then she's like, you're going here, aren't you? And I said, yeah. Um, like she felt it. And it, it was the only way I can really describe the peace that I felt about it was it felt like home. Um, and it's something that I've, I've looked for in life since then. And the only other time I found it was eventually whenever I, I got flown down here last January. And I was looking and praying about where to go next. Where was God calling me to go for the next stage of my life? And whenever I visited here, it just felt right. It was, there was this peace that I had about it that could only come from God. But with all that good, there was also some bad. 
I would say, while the tumor and the concussion was hard on my family, the emotional hardest thing for me to deal with came freshman year of college. And the freshman, my freshman year of college, um, I, was, I was working out a lot. I, I would go to the gym every single day. Um, I was in really good shape, and I, w- I was loving college. Uh, well, one night, I was getting back to the dorm, and my bed, whenever I would walk in the room, was like a straight line from the door. And I was getting back a little bit late, so I didn't want to turn the lights on and bug my roommate. So I'm like, okay, so I just go ahead, and I go get a little bit of a running start and jump into my bed, and I swing my leg, and I crack it into the metal post, or the, the metal and wood post. And the edge of it went straight into my kneecap. Um, so as I lay on my bed, basically sobbing, I try and put some pressure on it, and I can put a little bit of pressure on it, and I ended up, this was not a smart idea, if you get injured, please go to the doctor. I did not. <laughs> I just kind of slept it off, got up the next morning. I was like, okay, I can limp. And I went to class. Um, and some weeks passed, and I, I was finally, I was like, okay, I can run a little bit again. And I tried jumping right back into my workouts where I had been, and I felt something pull in my leg. And I was like, no. And I was back out for some more weeks. And this just led to a spiral where I was taking 18 credits, which is the max that, you can t- that I could take, I had a huge amount of school, and I was relying on, I, I began to rely on my workouts as a way to relieve my stress. They, they had become a crutch, and they were now gone. And one day, I'm sitting in class, and I'm like, I, I really can't breathe. Like, my, my chest is feeling a little bit tight, and I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll just play it off. And I end up going, a couple days later, this hasn't gone away. I'm sitting in church, and I, I like, I'm like, oh, I really can't breathe. And I, 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 like, lean forward and try and find a spot where I can breathe. And my, my, like I said, that, that, that had just it got worse. It hadn't gone away since it had happened a couple days before that. And my, I kind of felt fuzzy, and my chest felt tight, and it was a mess. But I didn't say anything. And I was like, okay, whatever. This, it's obviously not a heart attack. I'd be dead right now or in a lot more pain than I am, um, even though it was, like, tightness, lack of short breathing, tight chest. Um, left side of my body felt numb. All the things that you might think heart attack. Um, I was like, it's something else. And I just kind of played it off. And I went like this, and it was more than just that. It was also me constantly feeling worried and anxious and fear about all the stuff I had to do. Four months go by about like that. And finally I go to a doctor. And they're like, hey, uh, you have an anxiety disorder. I was like, a what? You have an anxiety disorder. So I I kind of, it was a small, it was the the, the, uh, clinic that they had on campus, and they're like, yeah, you have an anxiety disorder, you might want to get some medication for that, or um, I was like, oh, no, I'm I'm good, I just deal with it, I guess. So I went, and I tried to tough it out. I didn't know why things were like this. I'll come back to that in a minute. The other hardest time came a year, like basically a year later. I was terrified about what my future was going to be. I, I, I didn't know what God was calling me into besides just ministry. And one of the great things about liberty also became the hardest thing about liberty for me, which was how many options there were. There was, uh, they had a, a ministry job fair where there would be 100 booths set up of 100 different churches trying to give you a job. 
And that wrecked me. Like, I, I had no clue what to do because this feeling of peace that I had followed to get to liberty, I couldn't find it in any of these things, and I just couldn't find it in me because, like I said, things that are out of my control, or fe- at least feel out of my control, I'm okay with. I can deal with and just kind of just trust that God's going to do it. But something like looking for a job, it felt like I should be the one figuring this out. I was relying on me to try and figure this out and find a job and just hoping that God would kind of rubber stamp it for me afterward. So needless to say, it, it, it was a, a rough bit of time. As I worked through both of these things, obviously this stuff was a year apart. I worked through both of these things separately. And what I eventually uncovered was that my problem was idols. With the working out, I had made exercise my idol. I wasn't going to God whenever I was stressed and praying and putting myself before him. I I was going to the gym and running some laps, lifting some weights, climbing the rock wall. And that, that, that worked for a time, but ultimately it was empty because it got taken away from me. And even if it hadn't, it could have never supported my life and the stress and everything the way that God can. With the fear for my future, the idol that I realized I eventually had put up in God's place was control. I wanted to control the details. I wanted to control where I was going. I wanted to know the answers now, not wait for God to show them to me. There's a great book that, about idols and about the war that's going on in your own life um, called Gods at War. It's by Kyle Eidelman. And in that, he writes um, this first quote. Idolatry isn't just one of many sins. Rather, it is the one great sin that all others come from. And he, does a, he, he spends a whole book kind of explaining that idea and how any sin in your life you can trace back to idolatry. You've put something else in God's place. In Jeremiah, it has, there's a line about how Israel had replaced God with cracked cisterns that couldn't hold water. That's what idols ultimately are. When it comes to idols... We sometimes might even think, okay, well, as long as God's my number one, um, I can have these other things that I'm also pouring my energy into. But I, th- I think that's, that, that, that's not that I think. I, that is definitely a false way of looking at it. Because if you're still relying on these other things and not relying solely on, the, on our Savior, then you're, you're missing it. You're not understanding the gospel to its fullest extent. That Christ came to save you from needing to rely on all of those other things because they can ultimately never satisfy you. Kyle Ullman has another quote, and it's this. God declines to sit atop an organizational flowchart. He is the organization. He isn't interested in being the president of the board. He is the board. And life doesn't work until everyone else sitting around the table in the boardroom is fired. He is God. And there are no partial gods, no honorary gods, no interim gods, and no assistant to the regional manager gods. Thank you, throwaway office reference. There can't be anything else that you're relying on except for Jesus. As I began to realize that in both these situations, I began to look at Scripture in a new light. 
I wasn't satisfied with these other things that could so easily be snatched away from me. So I turned to Scripture. The first Scripture that I, that I looked to in dealing with these things was Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 7. Um, this is a, a great passage. I absolutely love it. Um, it reads this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It can be hard sometimes to wait on God's timing. But in those, in those times whenever I, I wanted an answer, when things just seemed like they were falling apart, I remembered that I can rely on God. I can go to God in prayer. He's reminding me, don't be anxious. Bring these things to me genuinely. There's been plenty of times that I try and use this like, like, a, uh, like I can just like, take free candy. Just got to pray and it's gone. Don't got to worry about it. No, this is genuinely coming before God saying, God, this is yours. I'm bringing this to you. I'm thankful for what you're giving me. And he will give you peace, even in situations that don't make sense. Even in situations that you, there is no reason you should have peace. God can supply you peace. You can't fake peace. Not this kind of peace. Like it says, it transcends all understanding. The other passage is a passage in Matthew. It's Matthew six twenty-five through 27, and it reads this. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to your life by worrying? The answer is no, by the way. You can't. And none of these things that you can put in God's place can ever satisfy, ever meet that meet your need. Only God can. Tomorrow, God has a plan for tomorrow. God will answer your anxiety with peace when you truly bring it before him, not holding on to anything else. I know because that, was, that ended up being what happened. Once I was done stressing about what was going to come next, in my own mind, I'd kind of made up what was going to come next. I, I, I had a plan. And I was, at this, I was at the ministry fair that Liberty puts on. And I was like, I don't want to be here. They make me be here for class, but I don't want to be here. This was sophomore year. About November, I think. And I'm sitting, and I'm against a wall, kind of just like in a bad mood, not wanting to be there. And I make eye contact with somebody from across the room. And he looks at me. We make eye contact, and he waves. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I have to go talk to this guy now. And I walk up, and the sign says Temple Bible Church. And he reaches out his hand, and he says, hey, my name's Dave. 
And we end up talking. He tells me about this opportunity, and immediately my heart begins to be like, oh, this, I need to look into this. So I sign up for a time slot to interview the next morning. And I show up about 15 minutes early, sit down, and what was supposed to be a 15-minute interview that I showed up 15 minutes early for ended up being me sitting there talking to Dave for 45 minutes. Um, And from there on, I was sold. I had that piece. And Dave flew me down here, obviously, last January. Some of you guys met me when I came down. Um, I think, I don't know when they made up their mind that I was coming here, but I had the piece that this is where I was going to be for a little while before that. So, with that, go ahead and break up into your small groups at your table and answer the questions that we got for you. Thanks, guys.